my fantastic co host, magnificent Cal McFadden. We're back here after a couple of week hiatus, um, obviously, with the international break happening. Shut things down for a week or so. So it's good to be back. And obviously, a lot has happened since we last recorded, Callum. Um, it was another reason why I wasn't entirely enthusiastic about recording because I didn't just want to add more weight to what's already been said. I didn't just want to pile on. I, I, I wanted to, it was very difficult to come up with something unique in that space that was actually contributing to the conversation because it's become so toxic now where you had some absolutely unbelievable attempts at a protest at Ollie Out, which then <laughs> labelled Glazer out to save face, but really it was an Ollie Out, and of course it was a total embarrassment. Um, I don't care where you sit on the subject of Solskjaer. You know, I, I've, I've changed positions myself, but you can do it respectfully. You can do it without behaving like that. And a thoroughly decent man, who I think most United fans at this point have accepted probably won't, be the guy to lead United to where they hoped. But this guy has enormous credit in the bank with most Manchester United fans for everything he's done for his football club. He absolutely does. And, and I've said now for a few weeks, probably the, the last international breaks where I had probably made my mind up, I think a change of manager at some point in the next six to 12 months, as I'd said at the time, would be beneficial. However, and, and I'll say it again, even after Liverpool, even after Man City, as long as Ollie is the manager of Manchester United, I hope he wins every single football match. He will have my full support, as will the team in every single football match, because at the end of the day, I spoke about this last time as well, whether it's Fred the Red in the dugout or Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer or Sir Alex Ferguson or Sir Matt Busby or whoever it may be, I still support Manchester United and I want us to win any game that we go into. These people that say, oh, I would love um, Watford to, to beat us because I think they'll really need to make a change aren't Man United fans as far as I'm concerned because you should always want your team to win. And remember, the club is bigger than any one individual. Ollie knows that. The players know that, I hope. And um, I think against Watford, he I know he's spoken about a reaction probably more times than, than not this season, but United need to, to provide something. I think they'll have enough to win the game, but... For his sake, I just hope it's a convincing performance because if it's another scrappy game like the Atalanta game at home uh, where you're lying on a last-minute winner and it's pretty scrappy and you look pretty poor or the Villarreal game, then then I would worry for us going into that festive period. We need something to boost the spirits of not only the players and the manager but the fans as well because you're right, there is a split there. There is a toxic element, but we, as you know, we, we, we take what they say with a pinch of salt. The match-going fans... Um, the people we know, Nicole Deans, um, Pete Boyle and others, they can give objective opinions while uh, reserving doubts. And that's what we try and do in this show. Mm-hmm. And we're all having that debate at the moment. But, but I think we all agree we support Manchester United, no matter who's in that dugout. You said something there that um, truly is reflective of the times that we're in. And <clears throat> I had to focus on it for a second. You said you want Manchester United to win any game they're in. And it's truly unbelievable that that statement has to be made and then followed up with anyone who doesn't isn't a Manchester United fan, which is blatantly obvious because I go back to my childhood <clears throat> in the 80s and when I first started supporting United as a young child. And I accepted through the lens of a child things are different. But there was a lot of very painful times and I was angry at Ferguson. 
And I don't ever remember behaving like a petulant, capricious child that we see today. I don't ever remember behaving like the the spoiled children that oh he is the worst manager in the league. We want him out now. That that's what you reduced yourself to. You are so petulant and immature that you're devoid of any type of reasoned argument. You can dislike so Solskjaer, you can want him sacked, you can have no confidence in him, and all those things are fine. But it's the polemic bullshit that I can't stand. And is what, one of the reasons why over the last two weeks I've barely been on social media. <clears throat> um, I know this happens in all spaces. It's not just Solskjaer. It's a reflection of society today. If you go on to any other section of Twitter, boxing Twitter, all this, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we got to a situation where we have grown men who are completely incapable of accepting the views of anyone else that doesn't correspond with theirs without resulting in in seeing uh, abuse. <clears throat> but that's how we, that's where we're at. With regards to Solskjaer, what I also don't understand, Callum, and why this even needs saying, and I've seen this said, would you still support Solskjaer if he won the European Cup? If you genuinely are so committed <laughs> to Manchester United losing because you don't like the manager, I will say it again, you have nothing in common with me. Because it's not Manchester United you support, it's the guy in the dugout. And that's where we diverge, that's where we go our separate ways, my friend. Okay, so I know this is painful. I don't want to experience this. I hate it. I do. And listen, I've gone from Solskjaer defending him, defending him, hoping to now accept him in my heart that I think it's highly unlikely he's going to be the guy that's going to lead United to the promised land. But now where do we find ourselves, Callum? Because think about this, right? Let's say United decide tomorrow we're going to sack Solskjaer. Who makes that decision? That decision wouldn't be made by Ed Woodward, who of course not. Does, does not want his last act as um, de, facto, de facto deputy chairman of Manchester United to to, to basically uh, get rid of a, a manager. And, and I think that sums United up um, at this moment in time. You've got such a state of flux going on behind the scenes that you aren't seeing any urgency. And let's be honest, you've yeah. never seen urgency from the Glazers unless Champions League football's under threat. United are still in the Champions League. Whether all the out people like it or not, not a million miles behind fourth. Now, fourth is not good enough. I am not saying that is good enough. I'm not saying I would be having a party if United finished fourth, third or second. But at the same time, if you look at every manager since Ferguson, they've always been judged on whether they can realistically achieve Champions League football. Moyes went when it was out of the question. Van Hal went when he didn't get it. Mourinho went when it looked as if he was going to be a million miles away from it before Ollie came in and managed to rescue it. So until it's in serious jeopardy, I don't see them really making a change. Put it this way, if, they're, if they've stuck by Ollie after the mauling of Liverpool and the massacre of Man City, then they are not going to be scared to, to ride out a draw against Watford, a tricky away performance in Europe. They, they've stuck by him through those two games, so... I don't see him going anywhere before Christmas unless he was to make that decision. But given the fact we've just had a fortnight international break, it's clear to me that he won't make that decision and he's going to fight until the very end. I mean, in, in, so in one sense, Mourinho was still in the Champions League when he got sacked. But for the following season, I totally understand what you were saying. Um, they were looking like they were going to go out. <clears throat> they weren't going to qualify. Um, but it, it does personify Manchester United, in my opinion, that 
there's too much uncertainty above Solskjaer to actually even sack him and replace him, right? They never mind the actual manager of the football club. And that is a limbo you need to have to end now, right? Because it does matter who picks the next manager. First of all, if it's Richard Arnold's decision to sack Solskjaer, that's a lot easier than it is for Woodward for the reasons you just outlined. He doesn't want to be responsible for that. And secondly, if Richard Arnold, assuming he takes Solskjaer's job or uh, Woodward's job, doesn't pick the new guy, who well, the new guy's going to want to know who I'm working for, right? And I think United are desperate to avoid a repeat of what happened when Ferguson left, where you've got a manager leaving and a chief executive leaving, and on Woodward an executive vice chairman. I think they're also desperate to avoid an interim situation of a guy coming in doing temporarily well, repeating what happened under Solskjaer and find it very difficult to not give him the job because it's such a contrast from what's gone before. But see, I always get the feeling, Callum, that what's going on at this football club, it's almost never about what's best for the football club. It's about what's best for the people inside the football club. So when we're looking at Conte, I knew you were never going to go for Antonio Conte. I knew. Now, you don't have to be an insider to predict what matches that are going to do. You just need to extrapolate basic logic. And when you look at what's going on inside now, I knew that guy is abrasive. That guy is the type of guy who presents my way or no way. That's not going to suit how you need to want to run that football club. Pochettino, Brendan Rodgers, they're matches that are managers. They're nice guys, right? They're guys that haven't got this massive track record of success. So they're guys that can be pushed around. Now, that's not in the best interest of this football club. If your raison d'etre is about winning trophies, that's the magic of success, not profit and loss, win-loss, we would be seeing a football club run differently. And to me, when we're talking about the failure of Solskjaer, we must also talk about the failures of those above them. They're the architects of this. They are the reasons why we're in this mess. Manchester United, since David Moyes was, was, took over, is still probably arguably further away from winning a European Cup than what they were then. Now think about what's been spent. Think about how many managers have come. That's indefensible. Leicester have won the league since then. Liverpool won a lot less money. Not because they went out and spent a ton of money, but because they were properly managed, properly run football clubs. And I'm telling you right now, Khan, if Pochettino or Brendan Rodgers gets that job, they won't get treated the way they were treated at Spurs and Leicester, where they're the plaything of the media. The second things aren't going well, it'll be turned against them. I don't care that Brendan Rodgers manages Liverpool. You know, you go into Italy, they don't care when Fabio Capello manages Juventus and AC Milan. They don't care when Antonio Conte manages Inter Milan and Juventus to great success. And nor did we whenever Matt Bosby played for Liverpool and City. So I don't care that Brendan Rodgers played for or managed Liverpool. What I care about is he hasn't won a single thing that should get you a Manchester United job. I think that's a very, a very fair uh, synopsis of Brendan Rodgers' career. Obviously, he won trophies in Scotland. and I'm a Scotsman, um, as you know, based up here. Uh, I, go to, I go to Celtic Park um, as often as I can. Um, and winning the, the, the treble treble in an era where Rangers weren't particularly strong, yes, it's still an incredible achievement to have an unbeaten season to do that, but does it get you the Manchester United job? Absolutely not. Steven Gerrard, for instance, has just went to Villa because he knows, even though you've stopped 10 in the road in Scotland, you're not going to walk into a Liverpool, a City, or a, a, a massive, massive elite club with just that in your track record. 
He's won the FA Cup with Leicester. I think he deserves credit for that. But his European record is atrocious at Celtic and at Leicester. And you have to just look at um, the, the sort of bottle jobs in recent years where he's been mm-hmm. comfortably in the Champions League places for the majority of two seasons. I think it's a crazy statistic. Like They've spent the most days in those places only to end up being the only team that was realistically competing not to get them two seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. If that happens once, it's a freak. If it happens twice in a row, that's a worrying pattern. So I totally agree with you there. Pochettino, you summed him up months ago by saying, should a sack Tottenham manager get the United job? Absolutely not. Um, people will say, oh, but he got to a Champions League final. But second place means nothing. Uh, I think, uh, so did Roberto Di Matteo. He was sacked in months later. You, I could ask you to name 10 Champions League winning managers or teams and you'd do it off the heart. I could tell you to name 10 runners-up and you'd probably struggle because, let's be honest, you, you should not be remembered for a glorious failure. I mean, this is Manchester United you're talking about. You're not talking about Pochettino leaving Tottenham and going to an Everton or back to Southampton where he would be seen as a coup coming in. I mean, look at him at Paris Saint-Germain. I don't want to be disrespectful to the league, but you could argue he managed to lose lose a one-horse title race. And and for me, that's unacceptable in itself. So he's not the man Manchester United should be looking at. Rodgers, I agree with you. And we've spoke time and time again. Are there other credible alternatives out there um, that spring off the, the page? No. And as you've said as well, Phil, would you trust United to go and get the next big thing? I mean, uh, an Agusman obviously at Bayern Munich, a Marco Rosa who went to Dortmund. Absolutely not. You would not trust them to do that. I just, I don't see where United go. Because there is no coherent plan. There's not been a coherent, coherent footballing plan since David Gill and Sir Alex left. It's the the, the problem is there there hasn't been a coherent plan because there's nobody capable of implementing it. <clears throat> and um, there's there, there's people who mean well and say United. Um, what I've said this before. What I will say about Woodward when he joined United, he genuinely did mean well. Right, he wanted to make an effort to communicate with the fans, and wanted United to be a football club. That let's let's be honest about this, Callum. Lats United fans wanted this. He wanted a Galactico football club. One of the biggest frustrations that a lot of United fans had was the fact that United were always parsimonious in the market. They didn't go after the big players. Woodward wanted to change that. And his idea was to try to change that. Now he made a mess of going about trying to do that. Right? But his heart was in the right place. So the problem is this has been going on for too long. And we talk about Solskjaer would be sacked in any other top football club. But any other top football club also wouldn't have the management structure that United do. We don't even know who makes decisions at United. We don't even know who signed Danny van der Beek. Now, at this point, it really doesn't matter because Solskjaer asked him to stay in the summer. And now we hear United friends players are upset because they haven't been played. Now, I have two particular points of view on this. One... I empathise in the sense that there should be a consequence for failure at United. You, if you don't play well and you, do, you, you, you continue to not play well, you should be dropped. I don't care who you are. But it's also incumbent upon those fringe players to get themselves into a team. How many times have you seen a fringe player take his opportunity at United when he hasn't been playing, get the shirt and play exceptionally well? Very, very rarely. I think one of the only exceptions I can think of is Tellez. In that, uh, was it the Champions League game? Where he played, um, yes. yeah. he scored, yeah, maybe, but he uh, he was dreadful in the game before, I think it was against Southampton. Um, but for the most part, 
They don't take their opportunities. Stop moaning and complaining and play your way in the football team. You know, this this is this is not UA soccer where everyone gets the equitable playing time. This is a, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and part of the problem why United don't win things because players think they have a right. You have to earn the right to play. You have to earn the shirt. That's always been the case in any football club. How many of those French players have earned the shirt? And maybe they're not being given enough opportunities to do so. But how many would you say have played well this season, Callum? When was the last time you saw United play well as a team? Well, I, I really don't know how many times we've played well this season. I, I, I would struggle to to count more than more than a couple. I thought West Ham was, even though it was ended up being quite dramatic. I thought it was it was relatively good. Um, but other than that, it's been very very patchy. And in terms of the fringe players, I've I've said to you for a while that I thought Lingard maybe should have been given at least one or two more starts than he has been. That's not to say he should be a mainstay in this team. That's not what I'm saying. Um, so I think he could potentially have a bit of a grievance in the sense that he was very good at West Ham last season um, and probably given the fact that some of the players in those attacking positions in the wide areas have been injured or struggling for a bit of form, he could argue that um, he could have started a few more games. But other than that, Kelly's I suppose as well because Shaw's form has been poor but I think a lot of these players, I mean, I love Juan Mata and he was mentioned in that list and I don't know if Juan Mata is the sort of guy to complain. He doesn't strike me as if he is but if anyone, even Juan himself, thinks him starting games is going to improve Manchester United on a weekly basis, then I think they need to seriously question that. Juan Matt is a great professional. He's good to have around the club, but you cannot tell me that him starting weekly would really improve this United team at the age he's at. Matt, it's the same. So I think some of the fringe players have got a bigger argument than others. But the one thing that annoys me full stop about it all, Phil, is the amount of leaks that come out of United. We predicted this weeks ago that this would happen, but it's embarrassing. You look at City, I know Sterling, I suppose, has come out with a couple, but Pep's been willing to, to, to deal with those head-on. Liverpool, you maybe get the odd one or two a season uh, when it's a new contract for Salah, whoever it is. But for United, you feel like there's like four, five, six, seven leaks every single week. And it's just utterly embarrassing. We've talked about the structure off the park in terms of not having a sporting director or a modern structure that many of the other elite clubs have. But even just in terms of standards and relations... Uh, between players and media. There's far more leaks at United, I would say, in any other top club in Europe. I could be totally wrong with that. People might argue Madrid or Barcelona because the sports pages in Spain are, are, are incredibly endless and they have to fill lots of content. But the amount that comes out at United worries me because it's completely unprofessional and bizarre in all counts. Well, it comes out whenever things are not going well because people want to distribute blame and people don't want to take the blame. Um you know, if you if you go back to when United were playing well, I remember commenting, there's almost no leaks out of Old Trafford anymore because there's no reason for them, you know? So these are all about <clears throat> deflection. These are all about defending themselves. You saw Samuel Lockhart's article earlier. I'm not sure if you saw it, but I did. It says that um, you'd be being contacted by relatives of players, by representatives of players who are really upset over the, over his coverage and what have you. And if you, law, if you saw all the the leaks about the team meeting after um, City and Liverpool. It sounded like a bunch of spoiled children in a room. Not my fault, his fault, his fault, his fault. I mean, I even read things like, we're upset at Harry Maguire getting the captaincy. When was Harry Maguire getting the captaincy? How long goes that? And that's your issue for losing to Liverpool? That's why you can't defend against Liverpool? 
That's why you couldn't press the ball against Liverpool because Harry Maguire got the captaincy. Have you ever heard such bollocks in all your life? If you give these players, I, I think it was Neil Warnock once said, never give players an excuse to lose. They're no different than any other office employee. When things are not going well and everyone's brought in the conference room, almost nobody looks at themselves. It's always Jimmy's fault or her fault or that fault or this fault or who. Well, what do you think you're going to get from players? They're not going to stand up and go, do you know what? I haven't been doing my bit here, boss. I mean, sure, they'll say it to the media. I need to look at myself in the mirror. And then they go out and do exactly the same thing they just did from the game they're apologizing for. And they can't help themselves. They just don't get it. They release these stupid statements that I don't know if anyone even reads them. Right? Like, look, you've just lost against United's two biggest rivals, Liverpool and City, 12-0. You didn't score a single goal. You were destroyed. You were embarrassed. You were disgraced. I don't want to read your apologies. Because whatever apology you could have given me, right, and promised to do right, why didn't you do it after Liverpool? Why didn't we see it against City? Don't tell me. I don't want to see fingers in the ears against Watford. I don't want to see it. You did not answer your critics beating Watford. You did not answer your critics scoring a header against Albania. Right? I mean, have some sense. You know, ha- at least at least have some awareness. Hey, you know what? We've just lost 12 no. Okay? Oh, and by the way, we're both at Old Trafford. In front of our own fans. A disgraceful performance. Disgraceful against two teams where you used to say form goes out the window. Because you would get 100% passion. You'd get everyone playing for the shirt. You were a disgrace. And you're going to put your fingers in your ear playing for another team against Albania? That Greek cop should have smacked them around the back of the head more than once. I'm sorry, that, that, that irritated me. Right? You're not playing for Manchester United, by the way. You're playing for England, and that's fine. Fair, fair enough. But wasn't the England fans criticizing you, Harry? Right? It wasn't the England fans that are suffering. It was the Manchester United fans. It wasn't the England fans whenever you were standing ball watching at Leicester. At the same against, same with you and Luke Shaw against Liverpool, against City. And you think that is a response? I'm sure against Saturday, against Watford, if he has another mirror, he'll only be there because he has to. Manchester United captain only in front of the media because he has to. After getting your arse handed to you, he should have been stripped of the captaincy right there. He should have been stripped of the captaincy. A while ago, I agree when he, when he talked about um, players lacking belief. I mean, why on earth he came out and said that? I mean, you saw the look in Ollie's face when he was asked. He looked absolutely deflated as if, how on earth is a Manchester United player, never mind captain, can you lack belief? Even in the toughest of times, you have to look at the players around you and think, we can do something. You mentioned those derby games where form should go out the window. Maguire, for me, is starting to be... I say starting. He's, he's, this season, he's become a massive problem for United. I thought last season, and we both maybe thought, bring in a partner alongside Harry Maguire and United will be able to move up that table. United will be much more solid at the back and he's probably someone that will be good in that squad. Now, I think he's a massive glaring weakness and I think even if you keep Varane fit, I think United need to be looking at another centre-back to partner uh, Varane for next season because Harry Maguire, if this is the way he responds to a bit of pressure, 
in, in four weeks. How is he, how is he ever going to cope if United are going for leagues? If United are going for, for European Cups? Because, as you say, putting your fingers in the ear against Albania, when it, when it wasn't England you were under pressure for in two, it's against Albania. Uh, think of the captains United have had in the past. Brian Robson. Should be embarrassed, Pam. Even, even, embarrassed. Even, even Wayne Rooney. I mean, the famous clip against the 5 3 at Leicester years ago where Wayne Rooney is bollocking the players on the park, bollocking them, trying to get more out of them. You could say he should have done that, he got more of it himself that day, but he, he, he's up for it. He's up for the fight. He's taking things head on. Maguire, we lacked belief. Fingers in the ears. Don't get me started on him. People, I heard, a, I heard a, a quote from, I think it was a, a former Aston Villa player this week on the radio over here, saying Roy Keane's bullying him with his comments. Mm. Roy Keane, Roy Keane was spot on. It was embarrassing. He has been disgraceful for United for months. If telling the truth is bullying, then we're in for a really, really tough, a tough society because at the end of the day, everything Roy Keane said on Friday evening was true. It was embarrassing to do it against Albania, and he has been disgraceful for United. That Leicester game, and uh, every, every game he's played since he came back from there has just been dreadful. And he'll go, oh, they scored a goal against Atlanta. Big wow. Big wow. You yeah, know, you know it's, a, it's a shambles, and it needs to be sorted, because as I say, he's become a massive problem and a hindrance to United for me. Yeah, and that would be another thing that would worry me if I was so scared. That's my captain. That's my captain. That guy. I mean, when was the last time you saw Harry Maguire when you had to win a goal down in a game? Get everyone by the scruff and tell him, keep it tight for five minutes. Let's get ourselves in the game. I mean, all I ever see him do is throw the hands in the air, right? And then look around whenever you need to concede, inevitably concede early. I mean, talk about a disgrace. We take a look at Brentford and Brighton's performance against Liverpool. Both of them took points off them. Bramford played Liverpool right before United and Brighton played them right after. Now, Harry Maguire would have looked outclassed in the Bramford or Brighton defence. This is a guy who was the world's most expensive defender. And the Manchester United captain. I don't like him being United captain. I don't think he is a legitimate captain. I think there's other better options in there. And yet we're going to talk about Ronaldo being the problem. I mean, this is insane <laughs> to me that we have a narrative that what's changed Ronaldo, that's what's changed, that's the problem. Can you imagine United without Ronaldo? I mean, oh, let, let, let's have it right here, Callum. Solskjaer should, should have been sacked, right? He shouldn't be in the job. And I know United don't want to sack him. They're desperate not to sack him. They hate the idea of sacking him. It's, but when you are an executive of an organization, you don't always get to make the fun decisions. You have to make the unpopular ones. And the bottom line is this. What I saw against Liverpool and City, even if United had a lost both of those games 1-0, but played exactly the same way, that's a second offense. Because what the way United played in those games... Maybe, and I don't mean this, I'm not exaggerating here, Callum. Maybe some of the worst performances I've ever seen from a professional football team at that level. Because it was so disgraceful, so bad, so lacking in the basics, it honestly uh, left me speechless. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I watched that Leicester game, dreadful. Watched that Liverpool game, 
and it was honestly like a professional football team against an under nine girls team or boys team, whatever, a, a, a kids team. They looked atrocious. And you're going, I don't care if you don't have a manager. I don't care if you got a caretaker manager on the day of the match. You have enough muscle memory and common sense to go out onto a football field and do the basics. Do the basics. Press as a team. You're seven days removed from Brendan Rodgers saying, we were able to walk through the midfield because they didn't press. And you repeat it. See, that to me is where I sit down with Ollie, Kieran McKenna, and I say, look, what I see on the field at the weekend is the culmination of your work. It's the show and tell. Teams, you're supposed to be a good manager, has teams better than the sum of their parts. Liverpool are better than the sum of their parts. No doubt about it. You go through that Liverpool team, if you took each of those Liverpool players out and put them in another team, ah, Roberto Firmino, you'd forget about him. He scored 10, 12 goals. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Henderson, you know, the good, good midfielder. You know, do you go through that team, and, and, uh, with, with the exception of one or two players, Mo Salah, Van Dijk, Allison? Right, but for the vast majority of them, they're not exactly Galacticos. They're not exactly world-class, you know, names. But Jurgen Klopp has them playing in a way that suits their strengths, and they all play in a way that makes them better than some other parts. United are worse, significantly worse than the than, than the some other parts, and that's where Solskjaer takes responsibility for me. That's where see, I, I could I could understand it a year and a half ago whenever they didn't have Fernandez, but now I can't. And this is where we get to January and we say, okay, do we give Solskjaer money? Personally, I wouldn't. Because I believe Callum had United have signed the best defensive midfielder in the world. I've said this before in his podcast. In the summer, United would still look exactly where they are now because this isn't a personnel issue. Okay? Uh, but you also now have the problem of fringe players that want to leave in January that will have to be replaced. Do you give Solskjaer money in January knowing that you're most likely going to replace him? But you can't let anyone leave in January without replacing them, you have this terrible conundrum. And for me, I think United are derelict in their duty by not addressing that. Absolutely. I, I fear United will try and address it with a Nagalo-type situation where if a Pogba or a Van de Beek or a, whoever it may be leaves in a key position, I wouldn't be surprised to see them loan a player who, yes, might come in and do an OK job, but on paper you might say... Not really sure United should be signing him if they want to progress. You know, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to Agallo. I thought he was a great professional. He came in and when he was called upon, he gave his all. But when he signed, he wasn't exactly a signing where you thought, wow, right, we've got him in loan. I can't wait to make that one permanent. He's going to push United on, even just his age profile as well um, and, and the league he was coming from in China. It, it didn't exactly fill me with optimism. And to be fair, he was only a squad player. But United have to be aiming a lot higher than that. They should be aiming higher than that. And the thing that annoys me, I mean, not just Maguire, but these players are given an incredible amount of responsibility when they pull on that jersey, but they show none of it. As you say, they look to blame others, they look to hide. Um, and at the moment, as poor as the coaching staff um, may be at, at certain aspects of the role, as, as poor as Ollie might be at times at, at changing a game or whatever it may be, you can only hide behind the manager and the coaching staff for so long. Now, I agree with you that I think that's clearly the problem because I think if you put a Guardiola or a Klopp, I know it's a cliched argument, in charge of United, you would see a far more cohesive outfit. 
not saying they'd get them a title with the current group, but I think they would get them close. So I, I don't think there's any real debate in that. So it definitely is, it is a coaching issue. And I think we've all defended Ollie and we, we had to give him the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. after the, the first couple of tough results because at the end of the day, up until up until the start of the season, he, he was doing a, a very good job. There was progression mm-hmm. every year, but it's regressed at such an alarming rate that it's clear that something needs to change. And I think it might have been Graham Soonest that said that when it comes to changing the full team of players or the manager, every time or more often, 99.9 times out of 100, the manager goes, it's cheaper to replace you get someone in. I know Woodward doesn't want to make that decision. I know Arnold or whoever might not want to make that decision. But the longer they leave this, they're going to be in such a mess that I think if he does go before the end of the season, you're going to see another caretaker, like when Ryan Giggs stepped in for those um, four or five games when boys left. Obviously, it won't be Giggs for obvious reasons um, if there is a caretaker. But it will be a situation where United are going to leave it so late that they're not going to get the cream of the crop in March time if they panic. They're going to end up with a caretaker until the end of the season. And it's just going to be another another mess because do you trust United to be able to go out and convince the next big thing? Absolutely not. And we've talked about it earlier, Phil. Rogers, uh, Pochettino, are they the guys to take United onto titles in European Cups? I personally don't think so. And the Zidane argument, you spoke to people this week and nobody could stand it up. I just don't see that one as a starter. He doesn't speak great English. That's not to say he can't succeed by that. We've seen Bielsa, other managers come into England and Conte's first spell with Chelsea. Not speaking the best English, but getting by and doing well. But I just don't see Zidane at Manchester United. I think it's pie in the sky. Um, It's been leaked by someone, maybe someone in Zidane's camp, to get a bit of interest and remind people he's available for when the France job comes up in the summer. Because to me, or after the World Cup, sorry, because I just don't see that as a starter. I just don't understand why Zidane would want to walk in and manage Harry Maguire at this stage and guys like that. I, I, he would want to come in and overhaul that squad and he's not getting the chance to do that in January. Not a chance in hell. Well, I did ask a few people about Zidane and the answer was no. But what I would say on that is I'm, I would probably expect that response because you need to find themselves in a really awkward situation here. If they go out and it becomes known that they're court and managers, right? How on earth can you keep Solskjaer in a job? You can't. They owe him more respect than that anyway. So I think that for them, they're going to deny that anyway. Or anyone that would be connected to that deal would deny it until it's a done deal. Um, because I, I just don't think it's in anyone's interest you know, to be releasing that information. But Cal, I've been thinking about this a lot. Because when we talk about the profile of the manager, we talk about... Oh, well, we don't go after high-profile managers because of Van Hammer and it didn't work out, even though I think they had both of those at the wrong time. Um, well, okay, so we don't go after that guy. So Solskjaer, you know, the young and experienced manager, do we not go after that guy anymore? So who do we go after? And if managers of all types of profiles are continues to fail at Old Trafford, what is the one consistent thing that hasn't changed since Ferguson left? And that's the people above these managers. There's something fundamentally wrong with this football club because you should be getting it right by accident if you spent a billion. But how much of that billion that's been spent could you look at today and say that was value for money? I mean, how are you consistently getting it wrong so quick, so often? And see, to me, there's something 
there's something wrong above the manager's head. Because when you look at where United are, they're almost back where they were when Southgate took over. Disjointed garbage, toxic, negative, players letting managers down. And then Southgate came in, everything t- clicked, and it was exciting attacking football, seeing players. Right? Says he wanted United to be the fittest team in the league. Does this look like the fittest team in the league? Not even close. Take a look at their, the stats when it comes to pressuring, when it comes to defending. They're disgraceful. And that was similar to Van Hal when, he, when talking about chance, finishing chances, goals. You know, we're 19th, 20th. There's something wrong with this football club that I think goes deeper than the manager. And I don't think I, I have a serious concern that United can ever address their problems without addressing that. Because the one consistent thing that has been there since 2013 is the people above Solskjaer. And they always seem to escape responsibility because as fans, most fans just want the shiny new toy. They don't care how they get it. They don't care who provides it. But what they don't, and I don't understand why they don't put the thought into this, is they're the ones deciding what shiny new toy you get. When that shiny new toy breaks, maybe you want to go look at them and go, hey, hang on a minute here. This is the fourth one you've given me and it's falling apart. When do we get the good one? Maybe I should have someone else make this choice. Maybe you've demonstrated, because what I want to know, Callum, is this. What quality have they demonstrated or exhibited that tells me they're good at their job? That tells me I couldn't do that job? That tells me you couldn't do that job? What quality have they demonstrated that says that three guys from Bristol University just coincidentally are the three best people for the job in that particular position? You know, fans are entitled to an answer on that question. They absolutely are, and uh, staring us in the face, and we both know that they absolutely are not the best people to to be in these roles that are designed to be for people of football expertise or analytical expertise in, in, in the field of sport, and United have never modernised post-Ferguson. I mean, look at Liverpool in the last couple of weeks. Michael Edwards is leaving. They've already prepped a guy, um, Julian Ward, who's worked with him for a number of years, who they can back and be transparent and say... Michael Edwards is going. This is who's replacing him. He will shadow him again for six months and he'll be all guns blazing ready to start the summer. United have been linked with more directors of football than Arthur Hot Dinners. And, and they never hire one. And any time that you think they might hire one, people have mentioned Van der Sar or Campos was mentioned when Mourinho was there with the connection they had. It never, ever comes close to materialising. Rio Ferdinand was mentioned at one point, which... Again, is utterly ludicrous. I feel sorry for Darren Fletcher in a sense because he's been given a, a technical director type role, but Fletcher was in doing his coaching badges and looking to get down the coaching route. So why all of a sudden is he taking on a technical role, especially how inexperienced he is? To me, it just didn't make a lot of sense. But by all accounts, obviously, he's, he's a very good person to take into a new player when you're trying to sign them but surely there's more to a technical director role than literally just turning up as United or trying to sign a player and does he have the expertise or the experience to do that? The answer would have to be no. Uh, John Murtagh we've talked about clearly has experience clearly has done a lot of good at United but again he's already at the club, he's put into another role who replaces him in the role he was doing. Nicky Butt leaves the football club under strange circumstances 
never really replaced. A wee bit of restructuring goes on. I know Justin Cochran comes in, but it's again a different remit. A set-piece coach comes in. United get even worse at set-piece. It's just it, nothing adds up. There's no correlation between what United are trying trying to do, if they're trying to do anything, and what's what the end result is. It seems to be that whenever United tinker, even try and tinker with a poor setup they've got, they make things even worse. And and for me, that's utterly utterly baffling. In the transfer market, you could see there was a bit of joined up thinking more so since Oscar's come in. And then, even that summer, you think. Varane comes in, okay, we know he's, he's, he, he's been accused of being injury prone, we've seen he's had a few injuries this year, right, okay, we accept that. Um, Sancho comes in, you think, to play right midfield, gets very little opportunities from the right-hand side of the midfield, and has looked very poor whenever he does, and then you've got Ronaldo, who, let's be honest, there's Ronaldo and guarantees goals, but there's no, there's just, as I say, there's, there's no real correlation between what you, what you what we on the outside think United want to achieve and what they're actually trying to achieve. I heard Woodward it was on his investor call this week. I was reading quotes that getting it right on the park is our number one priority. <laughs> well, uh, if you're happy to get beat um, five by Liverpool, two by City, um, lose to Aston Villa and others, and not make any changes to the coaching staff, um, then, then 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 you can put that statement out the window. So United, for me, it's all bluster. And, and Roy Keane summed it up perfectly again weeks ago in Sky. There's too many bluffers at the football club. On the, in the playing staff, probably in the coaching staff, given how poor United look at set plays and, and, and other aspects of their game. And upstairs, there's too many bluffers. There's too many people that have got there be talking a good game. How many of them have actually been there, done it, and got the experience to show that they can handle being at a club like United? Very little. I mean, people talk about Mike Feeling. If you're asking me, and I said it before, and I, I don't want to get personal because I think Mike Feeling's someone with a lot of respect in the game, and, and rightly so. But everyone that I've spoken to, who's played for United or been in and around United in that era, said Mike Feeling, very good man management, um, very good motivator, did very little coaching. We hear Solskjaer, kind of the same, will observe, will pitch in when he has to, very little coaching in the grand scheme of things. That's your manager and assistant out the question already. Then you've got what Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick. Carrick, having just retired a few years ago, might be a great coach, but he's inexperienced. Kieran McKenna, working with the kids at Tottenham, now coaching with the first team. Might be a great coach, still very inexperienced. So there's just so much that just makes no sense. And the fact that they've not tried to change it and the only change they've made in the set-piece coach Eric Ramsey's made it worse just, just sums up how bonkers the whole situation is. There's too many bluffers. There's too many chances. And unfortunately, until there's a... Until, I know I'm going on here. Until there's a, a, a monumental change in direction, nothing will change. We just don't trust them. We don't trust them. I know I'm getting off here, but I could go on all night. That's how annoyed, as you can sense, that I am with it all. Mate, that's a piece coach. I've heard of stealing a living, but Jesus. <laughs> Is it Ali Dye? Or, or, or what was that lot of paper saying happened? Are you Ali Dye? <laughs> Oh, he is definitely the Millie Vanilli. He is the Millie Vanilli of uh, of, of set piece coaches, and of course he ends up at United. I mean, ha- have United scored from a set piece this season? I don't think they have, but I know they've conceded plenty. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's bring in the set piece coach that were we don't score and we concede at will from set pieces. I mean, it's it, this is what I'm talking about. Like, if there's a thing that can go wrong, United will make that decision and it will go wrong. And, you know, when you take a look at the expenditure, for example, the cost of the teams that took the field against City and against Liverpool, 
you know, the team that took a field against Liverpool cost significantly more than Liverpool's team took a field against City was pretty much identical. Uh, there's just absolutely no excuse for this. But here's here's what happens when you talk about United buying and spending what they have, right? <clears throat> and if you just take it on face value and say, well, they've spent a oh, billion, you could easily come to this conclusion and say, that's unbelievable. But it's the way they've spent the billion that's the problem. Because they'll turn around and make the wrong decision almost every time. So how do you end up spending a billion and not win anything? Whenever you refuse to sign Jaden Sancho over the year before and you end up spreading that money around on the likes of Palestri and Traore, none of whom make even close to being a United player, right? Um, hopefully they are. Um, when you are spending that money on Morgan Schneiderlin, right? When you're spending that money on players that just aren't good enough, right? Because you refuse to go a little bit better, a little bit more than the player that you actually want. Because the story of United Summer, with the exception of this summer, to be fair, is almost always they miss out on their main targets and then they they spend it somewhere else on players they don't really want. And that's what happens, right? Di Maria, agent calling up and up without the proper due process, right? Ronaldo, you know, um, business signing, exceptional signing. I'm glad you made it. But the thing is, they're, they very rarely single at a target and get them. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Jude Bellingham. I'm thinking of Holland. Imagine what both of those players would do at United. It's unforgivable that they, get, they let those players slip through their fingers. Unforgivable. And see, there's another part that concerns me, Cam, right? Because Holland and uh, Holland... Accepted a lesser offer from Dortmund, which meant United failed to sell that football club a guy who gave the, the kid his debut over what Dortmund were willing to how, how you know how Dortmund sold Dortmund outsold United. Jude Bellingham. If Jude Bellingham was German, playing in the German second division, do you think Bayern Munich would have lost out on him to United? Not a chance. There's no excuse for missing out on these players, and they're they they and 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 but then maybe if they're combinated, they're not the players they are today. Who knows? But it's just that's the part that bothers me because I gave you credit. I felt that they were making progress, and you're right. There was some joined up thinking this summer where I felt like okay, close definitely making progress, not perfect, and I give credit where it's due. But now I look at the way they've handled this whole Solskjaer thing. Solskjaer should have been sacked after City on a mutual uh, agreement to spur him from what came next, which was the incessant criticism and being slaughtered in the public by ex-players, by current players, analysed to death, he should have been spurred that. And they should have just turned around and said, oi, let's call it a day, we'll come back to the football club in a couple of months in other capacity. This is about protecting you from yourself as much as anything else, because he's not going to quit. And at some point, you have to protect him from himself. And to me, I think that's what United should have done. They didn't do it for lots of reasons that are really, uh, really poor reflection once again on the leadership of the football club. I spoke to to Les Reed a few months ago, who was at Southampton during a spell where they made numerous managerial changes. The likes of Ronald Koeman came in, Maurizio Pochettino, um, Ralph Hassan, who totally was still there when, when Ralph came in. And, the one thing that was telling, and he's not only spoke to me about this, he's spoke to many outlets about this. Southampton have always, even if their manager is doing incredibly well, they've always got a succession plan in place. 
so that when Pochettino goes, Cumin came in. So that when Cumin goes, Pellegrino came in. Pellegrino doesn't work. Hasenhutl comes in. They've always, or Mark Hughes, then Hasenhutl, they've always got a plan of permanent managers they would like if they have a manager poached by another club. Who would be our top targets? Who would be the people who would want to take the club on forward? They've then got a separate list of really solid interims who they think could come in and do a job if a manager, pardon me, has changed midway through the season. Hence why Mark Hughes comes in at a time where he's out of work. The fact United haven't even had a sniff of making a managerial change or having a plan in place, it just defies belief. I mean, we're talking about Pochettino in a job. We're talking about Rodgers in a job. We're talking about Zidane out of work but doesn't speak English. These are not... These are not options that United can seriously say are guaranteed to take the club on long-term or are even relatively good short-term fixes. I mean, Brendan Rodgers or Pochettino wouldn't come in for a short-term fix, neither would Zidane, so you can rule them off that list. People are talking about Ralph Rannick. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to the people at United. I suppose I have been earlier. Ralph Rannick actually has a football brain, so how would that conversation go? I mean, we know the infamous conversation where Klopp was told United's like the adult version of Disneyland. I mean, if you sit down someone like Ralph Rannick and say, this is what you're coming to, look at our commercialisation, look at what we can do in this market and that market, the guy's going to be so switched off, he's going to walk out the room. Who? And this, you, you mentioned this with players. For pinpointing the next manager or technical director or whatever you're going to do, who, who's going to sit down and have that conversation? And I don't want to hear anyone say Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson's the greatest manager in the history of football. He's retired. I know he's on a non-executive board, doesn't have any decision-making power. If Sir Alex Ferguson is who you're relying on to sell Manchester United almost 10 years after he's left, then you've got a massive, massive problem because you're not joining Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. He might shake hands with you, get a photograph with you, have a coffee with you, but you're not joining his Manchester United. You're joining the Glazers and Woodward's Manchester United or Arnold, whoever takes over. So they really, they really need to think about where they're going forward in so many different levels because it's not even just about pinpointing these people as we've said, it's who approaches them? What are you selling oh. them? What are you telling them? What are, how are you going to support them? Well, Calm, when you look at someone like Louis Van Hal's comments about why things didn't work at Manchester United, and I've spoken to people who worked at United under Van Hal, under Mourinho, and I accept that maybe some of it is about saving face, but what comes back is extremely worrying extremely concerned about what goes on inside the football club. We talked about earlier in this podcast about a f- consequence for failure if you don't play well. But what's the point of that whenever you don't play well and they'll give you a new contract anyway because they want to protect some mythical value? I mean, we've got players at this football club on their contract that are nowhere near playing for this football club, Phil Jones, Lee Grant. Why are they still there? Why have they been given new contracts? What's the consequence for failure? And I accept that Phil Jones's field is not his fault completely. But I'm sitting there going, you know, what's the point of this? We always get this wrong. We got it wrong on the Mourinho. We got it wrong on the Solskjaer again this summer. We always get this wrong. Yet one of the club's world record signings is about to be out of contract. And quite frankly, when you hear him say things like, he wants to be the best played player in the world. Okay, me too, Paul. Right, but when you put about four good performances in a season, it's not really commensurate with your value, is it? And so this is what I'm saying. But it wouldn't surprise me to see you now concede and give him that. When in reality, if Paul Pogba never fulfilled his potential, bottom line, okay, 
And if Paul Pogba was named somebody else, and you were judging him solely on his performances on the last four years, you would say he's not even an average Premier League midfielder. And he always gets seduces you with patchy form. You know, the four assists at the start of the season. Now he's nowhere. In fact, he gets sent off against Liverpool at pure patch ones. So to me, I think, uh, you know, another top football club, he'd be binned, but United would happily renew his contract if he would sign one to protect transfer value. Then you got to play him as a manager somehow. Anyway, mate, so much to talk about. Uh, before we go, let's talk quickly about Watford. Um, what are you expecting this weekend? I hope that he makes changes. For instance, if I was picking a team at the weekend, I think I would go, De Gea would stay in goal. Um, I would go probably start one Bissaka right back just because I don't, I'm not convinced Dallow's any better, albeit I suppose anybody you could say deserves a chance over one Bissaka at the moment. I think at centre-back, he will go he'll go Maguire and Lindelof, in my opinion. Obviously, with Varane still being out. Left-back, I would bring Tellez in. I don't think Shaw merits a, another start for United at this moment. I think he needs time out of the team for his own good. I think, you might disagree, but I think he has to start Van de Beek this weekend. Given the chance against um, City, mm-hmm. given the situation, we've talked so many times who signed him and the, the, the ins and outs of that, but Given the fact that Pogba suspended, if he is willing to play the likes of Matic ahead of him now, the, the poor the poor guy should just be allowed to go on holiday until January and not have to go into the building because what on earth is the point? If he can't get a start against Watford, I, I honestly, I, I, it'd be the most demoralising thing for him. Uh, not that any of this hasn't been already, but it's in a state now where he really he just has to start. It has to be one last throw of the dice and I'm not saying he's going to come in and transform United the way Fernandez did when he came in. I'm not saying that at all, but he has to be given the opportunity now. So I think if you're looking at a midfield three, you're probably looking at McTominay if he's back fit with Van de Beek and Fernandez in the central positions. I think he's going to have to start Jaden Sancho again. I know he's been patching, as we talk, he could play in the wing, but I just think he has to start him. I think he will start um, Rashford and then obviously Ronaldo's through in the middle. I know if Cavani's available, then that's maybe something that the people will say, oh, we should stick with the five and and, and go with Cavani. I, I I never thought the five was a goer. Michael Owen summed it up very well. Now, Michael Owen's not someone I think is a particularly great pundit. but he's a sentence well. you don't say too often. <laughs> exactly. He um, was very good in the sense that United conceded five goals with a back four, so then decided, ah, we'll stick an extra one in and go for a back five. Top teams don't do that. And spot. And you think of Klopp at Liverpool when he initially came in, he, Stephen Colker up front in the last five minutes to try and nick a goal, but he didn't deviate from his plan because he had a strict way of playing and something he believed in. And it would have taken time to get right, but he found out who he could trust, who he couldn't, and he gradually changed and evolved the team. Pep Guardiola's first season, he'd be Carrie Sanya, Gail Clichy at fullback. They got ripped open by Leicester and other teams on the break. He knows he can't trust them. He gets rid of them. He's got the money to replace them. United just flip-flop. We're playing 4-2-3-1 right now. We're playing five at the back now. We're getting Ronaldo and Cavani up front. We've not seen it all season, but now that's the exact way to go. Then you lose a game or two playing that way, and it's right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back, Solskjaer said, I'm going to go back to what we are, which is obviously the 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. So I think some of these players simply have to play Sancho in particular Van de Beek because I just don't think he's got any other choice. Now, probably Tellez as well. He simply has to make changes. If those leaks are coming out from fringe players, he has to change something. There can be no more harm done by changing the squad around. 
in key posi- in certain key positions than has already been done now. If United don't change and lose to Watford, he's on jeopardy. If United change and he loses to Watford, he's still in jeopardy. So for me, I think he should be brave. He should make some changes, hopefully get a reaction. And if he doesn't, then we're probably going to have this chat again next week, Phil. Who do United go with next? Are they going to seriously consider him? Can they allow him and his mental health to deal with the noise and negativity from ex-players, current players, other pundits? Unfortunately, it's just a it's just a repeating cycle. Eat, sleep, lose, repeat. That's where it feels for United. Yeah, he can't lose this weekend. Um, and I don't know where a good performance is coming from, Callum, even with player changes, because even with the start in the 11, there's enough there, plenty there, to be playing much, much better. So I don't see making changes and bringing in other players what will suddenly result in a coherent performance that looks like a team. But I hope I'm wrong. I desperately, just like you said at the start of this podcast, desperately want to see any Manchester United manager. It's inconsequential to me who's the manager. I just want to see Manchester United win. And uh, whoever the manager is, well, that's great. Um, but um, we shall see what happens. Uh, folks, go ahead and leave it there. Callum, as always, thank you so much, mate. Much appreciated. I hope you're all doing well out there. Um, hope everyone's good. Thanks for all your love and support. As always, it's always so, so much appreciated. Thanks for downloading this podcast, sharing it with your friends, everything else. Callum, all the best, mate. All the best. It's been a tough couple of weeks, but delighted to back recording with yourself. And hearing, hearing your voice has cheered me up. So hopefully we, can, hopefully we can have some positivity next week and a good performance. But pigs may fly before that, Phil. Take care. I take care, mate. See you. Cheers, folks. Bye.